We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. And Tim, the Lakers are going to the second round of the NBA playoffs. One of eight teams remaining here in the uh, playoffs. Lakers are going to face the Warriors. We're going to hit on some rotation questions, what we think the team might do, uh, you know, after the Memphis series, how it could look different. We're going to focus on a couple keys to the series, Tim, and take some questions from the lower bowl of our Discord. So how are you feeling about this uh, Golden State matchup there, Tim? I'm excited. I think this is such an, a highly anticipated one. Uh, Elon better have his engineers ready because this series might break Twitter. So this is going to be fun and I'm excited to dig into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very exciting 40-point win against the Grizzlies to close out that first-round series, Tim. So it was the first time ever a 7 and an 8 seed one in the same playoffs. I don't know. Just thought that was kind of interesting. It's a lot of parody in the league right now as a six and a seven seed go up against each other in the second round. Um, it, I guess let's just start there. Like the six and seven seed, but there it's LeBron and Steph, right? This isn't exactly the same. There's going to be a lot of narratives going on around Tim. We're going to set the table early here and then kind of dive into the basketball. So it's LeBron versus Steph, right? How do they stop each other? Who guards Steph? Who guards LeBron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's no, you know, these are low seeds, but there's no small school Cinderella here. These are, you know, teams that are at full strength. The Lakers made some trades. They're a different team now. Golden State was missing Andrew Wiggins for a big part of the year, and they've had some guys underperform. And they frankly had uh, James Wiseman holding them down a little bit earlier in the year. They made a trade. Both teams are, are you know, in a really good spot and both not playing like seven and eight seeds, of course. So, uh, it's weird that in a year of parity, it's still those like big names, big brands that end up being the ones that are that are pulling off those upsets. But yeah, this is this is such a fun matchup in a lot of different ways for a bunch of different people. For me, the X's and O's, for the talking heads, the Steph LeBron, for fans, you know, California, California, like there's a, a lot of fun angles to this that that should make it very entertaining. And I think we're certainly going to get more interaction on Twitter with uh, Warriors fans than the, I think, zero Grizzlies fans I spoke with last round, <laughs> other than like their content creators. So it'll be fun, maybe not fun, depending on how the results of the games go. Yeah, well, you know, we dove into it a little bit watching the game on Sunday on playback as you um, kind of broke down, you know, your opening kind of thoughts of a strategy. And I can already tell you're going to have a great time in your mentions this coming up week. Uh, well, we'll dive into the specifics a little bit later here. I'm just doing a little tease. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be yelling at you, Tim, for what you say uh, in one of the defensive matchups. But to set it up here, Tim, let's just kind of transition from one series to the next. We saw Darvin Ham make a fairly significant change to the lineup in the bench unit for game six worked really well uh, as AD sits at the end of the first beginning of the second, he slowed Wendy and Gabriel in there and kind of, you know, stemmed the tide from some of the major losses they've been having at the uh, AD list stretches there. So do you think that'll continue through into the, the golden state series? Uh, is that something, is that Gabriel Bamba paradigm going to stay in the same space you think it is now? I think it will, and the reason for that has to come down to like which of the two guys is better offensively based on what the defense is doing. If the defense is switching, Gabriel's more that switch-beating archetype of player with his ability to seal and hit, you know, score on lobs and things like that. At the time in which he'd be coming into the game, unless the Lakers dramatically just rebuild their their rotation map, those are generally times of game where Draymond is the five and Looney is not in the game. And when they run those lineups, the Warriors tend to switch more. So it just makes more sense schematically. Um, 
But if Golden State is, you know, with Looney out there and they're running more drop, like it could make some sense to play Bamba. But at least for game one, you probably keep rolling with what you found that last series and, you know, have that extra size, the rebounding, and uh, be in a better position to attack switching with Wendy Gabriel. Yeah, he did pretty well there in his stretches. You know, they didn't lose by 10, which is kind of like on pace what they were on pace to do uh, in the rest of the series. But there's some other kind of lineup, I think, tweaks on the fringes, Tim. We saw Beasley go out of the rotation, Troy Brown. You know, a few pods ago but in the play-in phase, when we were unsure which matchup we would have, we kind of talked about the array of lineup uh, decisions you could make based on some of the guys the Lakers have. And when we spoke about Golden State, we talked a little bit about how, I, I at least I think it's actually Rui who might be on the outside looking in based on who he would be expected to guard, how he'd be expected to play. Uh, is there any other guys that you kind of think, I think we spoke about Troy Brown having a fairly significant opportunity and an opportunity, at least he might not be the guy to do the things we think he'll, he will. But um, what do you think about him and Beasley's kind of role? Truder Reeves. We, this is a guard focused team, right? Yeah. I think this is a series where certain like three guard lineups make more sense having off ball screen navigation defensively is critical. You don't necessarily need like a wing stopper. Andrew Wiggins can, you know, he can get his own sometimes, but that hasn't really been his job. And in most lineups, when we look at the top lineups that Golden State's running, it's either Steph or Poole at point guard. They've got either Dante or Poole or in their starting lineup, Clay, but usually not um, at that two guard. And then at the three in the starting lineup, it's Wiggins, but then it's usually Clay after that. Um, and then they've got Looney at the five or maybe Draymond and then Draymond or Kaminga or Wiggins. So like one through usually three, you probably want guys who are out there that can like run around off ball screens. So if the Lakers ever run out like a LeBron plus Rui plus AD lineup and one of those three guys needs to be chasing Clay Thompson around screens, that's probably not going to be the best situation. So there will still be times where Rui should get minutes based on what the lineup is that Golden State's running. If, you know, Wiggins, Wiggins is the three, I'm okay with with Rui out there with LeBron and AD. Or if Rui is just playing at the, as the four and LeBron's not out there with him and he needs to guard Kaminga or Draymond or, or Wiggins when he's a four, I think that's fine as well. Um, but I do think this is a series that lines up better for Troy Brown from a minute standpoint. Low usage offensive role. He's got to hit his threes. Didn't have much high volume, but didn't hit all that well last series. But on the year, he's been a decent, I think he's like a BB plus three-point shot maker. He's had his ups and his downs, but his off-ball screen navigation, same thing with Malik Beasley. He's not a very good defender, not good 1v1, but he's actually a decent chaser. And those two, I think, you know, stylistically, there's more opportunity for them to play in this series. It'll just kind of depend on how big of a rotation the Lakers do want to play. Because if they're playing Wenyon, they're playing Rui, they're playing Beasley, they're playing Brown, and they're playing Schroeder, that's a 10-man rotation. So if they shorten it, I think Beasley's probably the first guy to go. Uh, If they shorten it a little bit more, I I guess Brown, but Rui's minutes don't make as much sense in this series. So it will be an interesting thing to keep an eye out for, but I would expect in game one them to probably play a 10-man. And test some things out, see what Golden State's doing rotationally. And, uh, but I, I do think there will be lineups where we see like, like Reeves, Schroeder and Brown 
like out there just chasing dudes around screens. And it might look really good defensively just based on the skill sets those three guys have compared to like Devo, I think is someone that might struggle defensively in this series or depending on who's out there as your three, you just can't have the wrong guys trying to guard Clay Thompson. I'd rather have a smaller guy that can navigate screens really well guarding Clay than Rui, I guess, struggling to navigate screens. And I think that's kind of a decision the team will need to make and that'll impact who gets minutes. Yeah, and you're not super worried about Clay, you know, punishing a, a a smaller guy in the post. Maybe he can turn and fade and shoot over him, but it's still likely going to be a difficult shot that you'd probably live with um, under those circumstances on this team. So I'm curious what they'll do at the guard. I mean, they're not going to bench Rui, so I'm slightly, you know, concerned. The Warriors, and this is where it's tricky, right, Tim? They play each other four times in the regular season. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like it. If it. it it doesn't matter. Like you can watch some of the film to see like, mm. but there's so many qualifiers with guys out. Russell Westbrook was, you know, one of them was the first game of the season way back in October, you know? So yep. the other Matt Ryan's out there. Yeah. Russ is out there. Kendrick Nunn's out there. Like, so that I could absolutely throw that one out. I could point to some success. You'd seen the Lakers with like Austin Reeves playing good defense on pool and clay and Curry, but you know, I, so I think they have the players there on the perimeter with Schroeder to play good pressure defense. And I'm encouraged to hear that Beasley, you know, it's one of his strengths with him. I'm still slightly concerned about transition opportunities because he's really bad there. Um, and that could be an opportunity for the, the, the Warriors bench to kind of pop off a little bit more than usual if they get some some good looks and after some turnovers. So we'll see. Also, Beasley's shot just hasn't been falling. So it. I do think he'll still space the floor with his gravity. It's just uh, got to see um, where he is on the rotation, which kind of feels like he's inching out of it. So, all right, Tim, uh, outside of rotate, do you think they'll change the starting lineup? I don't think so. Not for game one. We, yeah. If they were to change it, the I think the most popular thing I've seen people say is to take Vando out. And maybe put Rui in or maybe put Schroeder in or maybe put Brown in. I, I think Brown makes some sense, but like, I don't know. I, I'd probably rock with what they have right now. See how it looks in that first game. Vando as a help defender, I think is solid. He's not the best chaser defender, but with, and, I, and it somewhat depends on what Golden State's doing with their starters. But if they're going to start with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Green, Looney, you've got two non-shooters. You've got Wiggins who isn't really an off-screen guy. And so that makes it easier to like sag off of two of their guys. And then you don't need LeBron or Vando to be like an elite screen navigator chasing around screen. So I think that's just fine. And then I would feel okay about Reeves on Steph and then D'Lo on Clay. Maybe makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but in looking at the film of him defending Clay this regular season, he did a pretty darn good job chasing around screens. So he gives up some size, as you mentioned, but I'd rather give up a little bit of size and have contested pull-ups than have a guy who just is dying on screens and then you're giving up uncontested catch-and-shoot threes, I think is the way I'd look at it. Um, so no, I guess my answer is no, not to start, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the series the Lakers have made a small tweak. Well, we'll see how uh, Kevin Looney can kind of affect the game because he was he was pretty crucial for Golden State in that Sacramento series and especially in game seven and what was the other one I think it was game game four five where he really uh really dominated 
in in his role, like is the star in his role kind of guy that the Warriors have. They have a couple guys who can and live up to those standards. So um, I, I am slightly concerned about Looney and the rebounding. So I wonder, I do think they'll probably stay big, try to take advantage of the other team's kind of similarities to you where, you know, we both want to kind of rock fight and, you know, <laughs> like play some non-shooters and, and move the ball around, uh, move mm-hmm. the bodies around. So, so far it's been pretty good offense from, from both teams I've seen been able to do that. Um, but let's get to the keys of the series, Tim. I think, you know, you kind of started touching on it there with, with Steph and Clay and Poole. Um, these guys are like so perimeter based, right? They don't, I think they were last in free throws, uh, like free throws drawn yeah. in the league. Yeah, like, their, their free throw rate, I think, was 30th. They're 29. They're a shooting team. You know, they move the ball, move the bodies, like I said, and they're lots of counters. So you can think you have something figured out and they'll use that to your to their advantage, you know, the, the next game or the next adjustment down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you watch, just keep an eye out. Just look at Steve Kerr when, you know, the Lakers score. Keep an eye out on Steve Kerr. Don't watch the inbounds. He's always calling something out. He, he Mike Brown... Darvin Ham, these are guys that are calling plays out frequently and they're seeing what are what you know, what is the defense doing and then how can we try to attack it? And they're going to throw a bunch at you from an off-screen perspective. And my first key of the game would be that defense, the strategy that you implement. And my recommendation that I shared on last night's pod mirrors what the Lakers have basically done this year, where you top lock those off-screen shooters, you you try to prevent them from using the screens. You don't stand between your man and the basket. You stand between your man and the screen. So the basket's kind of open, but as long as AD is sagging off, and if you've got two non-shooters out there, you could have two guys sagging off. And we saw that in the regular season film. That takes away the cuts. And then so if you're taking away the off-screen stuff and you're taking away the cuts, that puts Golden State in a really tough position. This is critical because those are key elements of their offense. Same thing with uh, handoffs. Those three things, if you're rejecting handoffs, basically, you're rejecting those off-screen plays and you're taking away the cuts, a huge, huge chunk of the Golden State offense goes away. If they're able to find adjustments and counters that get the Lakers out of that setup and are able to run their normal offense, you know, if you could tell me they're going to get seven games of that, I'm not picking the Lakers to win the series. But if the Lakers can successfully run that strategy, stick with that strategy, it's not going to be 100%. There will be times... The top lock doesn't work or a guy's a little bit late or they get through it anyway. But you have to hold that line because if you don't, thinking through what the next steps would look like, it, it gets ugly quickly. So that to me yeah. is the most critical thing here for the Lakers defense. And part of the thing about that, I think it makes it dangerous too, right, is the they have two non-shooters. But they have two of the you know greatest shooters of all time. And one of those non-shooters has the ball in his hands a lot of time so it gives looney the chance to be the guy down low and punishing having to cover the back cuts right for ad so ad has to step over on one side looney is on the dunker slide on the other slides in for an offensive rebound he's a big guy he's probably gonna get it or at least volleyball it out right so that's the problem when you have a facilitator like draymond this is just such a dynamic offense where they can run it to one side of the court with Steph and Wiggins running a two man action, or it's, you know, clay and Wiggins, or maybe Wiggins can be the guy this time and Steph will set the screen. So there's a lot of little 
kind of quirks and tricks that they'll they can do but ultimately i think yeah you're going to want to force the ball toward wiggins uh contest toward clay make him close out and attack the close out um and and you know keep that ball on a string but but stay connected um a little bit so that they're not just they're going to get a lot of open threes like that's what they do right they're driving kick team and they're good at it yep yeah point of attack defense will be critical if you're through the way you're defending the ball screens and off ball screens trying to limit rotations that should limit the open catch and shoot threes that are a result of the scheme and it would be more like all right Steph Curry broke somebody down blew by them we have to rotate and that's how they got you know the three so I we're going to see some of that, but if you can keep the scheme in check, you do a really good job against this team because this is not a Warriors team that frequently is a 1v1 team, and they're not all that good at it. When they do it, Steph's pretty good, but the others have not been. Uh, when it comes to the rebounding, as you mentioned, Kavon Looney, he's had like, what, three 20 rebound games or something like that in that last series. Looking at when he's getting those, so and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but such a high percentage of his offensive rebounds appeared to be in those chaos situations where the defense did have to put two guys at the ball and then they're scrambling and recovering either because of a ball screen an off ball screen a drive any of those situations he is such a big body he's so hard to move if he gets anyone on him other than like ad you feel pretty good as the warriors about him being able to get an offensive rebound or keep the ball alive um, you hope that Rui and you hope that LeBron can battle with him. You hope that Wendy Gabriel can battle with him, but he's really, really good at that. So you worry. So keeping AD close enough to the rim that he can get a body on, on Looney is going to be really important. And just limiting the, those needed rotations should play a major factor in just limiting his offensive rebounding output as well. I mean, trying to get him in foul trouble would be great. You know, they're probably going to go small with Poole. I mean, it's worth mentioning they did start pool in Draymond's place, you know, both when he got suspended and after he returned. Now they switched back to it, I believe, in game seven uh, to the classic starting lineup. His pool has struggled the last couple of games he was in, um, but he does have the firepower and he has burned the Lakers in the past. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of dynamic players on the same and uh Really looking forward to this, but so off ball actions, Tim, that's all the Stephs, the clays. Is there any other people on the team? Do they run this for on a regular basis? Just as a, I don't think Gary Payton's getting these, but does, does Dante get any, does wigs. So Dante will get some, he's not the same cal. He's not near the same caliber of guy. He's a really, really good catch and shoot three point shooter when he's more stationary or even off some motion. Wiggins is a really strong stationary catch and shoot three point guy. But they're not the dynamic run off a pin down or an exit screen kinds of players. So I'm not as worried about that. And then I kind of mentioned it before, but transition, I think, is going to be huge for the Lakers because Golden State in the half court, it's going to be difficult for them to score at the rim because that's already, you know, that's not what they do as a team and kind of their shot diet, right? They like to shoot threes. It's that's part of who they are. It's a chance to get a wide open threes in transition with no defense in, in sight. Yeah, that's when they're scary. And this year, this regular season, Golden State actually was fairly average in the frequency at which they got into transition. But in that first round series, they were out all the time. And they are a very scary offense when they're able to do that. So 
for the Lakers, limiting their turnovers and getting back in transition will be critical. And then on the other end of the court, Golden State likes to turn the ball. Well, they don't like to turn the ball over, but they do turn the they ball do. over. Yeah. They when we look at like just their turn- turnover rates as a team, it's it's pretty high. When we look at like Steph, Poole, and Draymond, all three of them had F passing efficiency grades, meaning that they're turning the ball over on bad passes way more frequently than we'd expect. So if you can get those and run and get AD on the move using his vertex, you know, his athleticism, or he can post up early, or you can get some open threes, or LeBron can be just, you know, barreling down the lane at the rim. That's ways to draw fouls, get easy buckets, and then set up your defense. Um, And you got to take advantage. Transition with a missed layup often leads to transition on the other end. So good decisions, converting on shots, and then hopefully you can play more half-court defense is going to be really important. So understand how success on offense leads to success on defense by setting your defense and how success on defense getting those turnovers can lead to success on the offensive end. Um, That transition battle, I think, can be something that swings this series for either team. A lot of chase down blocks in the Memphis series. I'll help you get out in transition too. Um, those are, you know, kind of outliers, but for a team like this, uh, as locked in as AD and LeBron have been um, on the health defense, it's something to consider that they'll be able to get out and and uh, get some some buckets out of their defense in that way. The other big, I think, focus for the Lakers on offense is, you know, getting LeBron going to the basket. He hasn't been shooting the ball well. He, you know, looks not quite like the LeBron we're used to, maybe athletically, maybe it's his injury, maybe it's the age, who knows, doesn't matter. We got a series where we're playing every other day, Tim. So how do they scheme to get him open looks at the rim if he's not maybe able to get there on his own? Great question. And and I think you said the right thing. How do they scheme ways for him to get there? I, I don't think Braun perimeter isolations is is going to be the best like him going at Wiggins him going at Clay and Clay's not been a great 1v1 defender this year but I I am less confident in LeBron doing that thing than he used to be at doing that thing where you know a potential foot injury or less of a quick first step where that won't hurt him as much as as a post guy he's still in you know insane IQ passer and he's got a big body and he's got a decent bag of post moves so if he can pick a matchup and then back that guy into the paint, I like that more than him trying to blow by Kevon Looney or Draymond Green. Those guys can stay in front pretty well. Kevon Looney's a really, he's like Xavier Tillman. He's pretty solid for a big man at staying in front. So I don't think the blow bys are going to be there for LeBron, but if he can use his size and his force, that will be important. Getting him to the rim as a screen setter, I think can be valuable in the series as well. Being him screening for D'Lo or Reeves or Schroeder, if Golden State is switching, those step-up kind of north-south instead of side-to-side ball screens would give LeBron inside position on that new defender. You just got to, you know, hit that pocket pass to him, and he should be able to get dunks, layups, or if the defense collapses, open kick-out threes to teammates. And that's another way to, like, you know, we're, we're you know, if you just close your eyes and then reopen, when he catches the ball, he's got a defender on his back, he's attacking the rim, and the defense is compromised. And that's what we want to create. So he doesn't necessarily need to drive to create that situation. We can manufacture that situation in other ways with him as a screener, um, with him trying to post up and having a smaller guy on him. Hopefully we can see more play where 80s roll gravity forces these smaller, shorter, less athletic Golden State big men 
to need to stick with him. The same way we saw Xavier Tillman need to stick with AD as he's rolling and just not be able to contain. What makes AD so valuable on defense is he can be in his high drop coverage, contain, harass the ball handler, and then recover to a lob. This team doesn't have those guys. They don't, that, that, do, that skill set does not exist on this Golden State roster. And because of that, they're going to need to stay home on him as he's rolling, which means that whoever the ball handler is may have nobody looking to contain them. And just like in that Memphis series, the only other way to really do that is by sending help from the perimeter. And that's where we saw LeBron had some great plays starting at the opposite wing. We'd have, you know, a D'Lo or Reeves ball screen towards the middle that help off the stunt around the nail at the free throw line lead to LeBron catching while he's running already on a stampede cut and then just slicing to the rim through that crease it creates. So screening, post-ups, and stampede cuts, I think are three ways that the Lakers can manufacture ways for him to get to the rim. And uh, I think if he's able to do those things, it's nobody. we're not going to hear about, oh, look how old he looks. If the Lakers try to play iso ball with him, we're probably going to hear about, oh, look how passive he is, or look how old he looks. Um, and it's just like, you, you can be smarter. And thankfully, we've seen the Lakers be smarter than that. So I'm optimistic. But if they don't do a good job with it, I do worry. If they just try to play inverted LeBron iso ball and try to blow by a guy, I, I worry a bit. So that truly, to your point, will be a key for this series. Yeah, based on what you just described right there, kind of makes me want to cut Beasley out and find a way to get Austin 38 to 42 minutes in there and focus on him and LeBron uh, when AD sits and kind of spam some some Austin Braun pick and rolls, try to get Poole involved in the action or, you know, bring up his man and figure out how you can uh, maybe Rui is involved in that. It's kind of a, a, a double drag or something that could be interesting because um, both of those guys could possibly pop or roll. You know, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking on the fly here, Tim, coming up with stuff that makes sense in my head. And and uh, and that's all. That's the only thing I can argue for. <laughs> that's why everyone's listening. They want to hear what we can come up with. And no, that's I'm right. with you. That, that makes sense. I'd like to see the Lakers try that. Uh, I mean, another key, and this maybe is probably Captain Obvious, but the Lakers shot really poorly from three, Tim. And I feel like they had great shot quality for the most part in that Memphis series. So how do they win that? Not win that battle per se, but not lose that battle so much that they can't overcome it with in other areas where they do have advantages, maybe. <sighs> That's tough because there will be game. We saw in the Memphis series, there was a game where the Lakers like shot horribly from three, still won because they were just dominant elsewhere. But I don't know. I, I like, you got to hit shots at, at a certain point. It's a shot making thing. It's a luck thing. It's who's locked in, who can handle the moment. And you got to figure out who those guys are. But at the same time, do you overreact to like, Oh man, this guy missed his first two threes. Does that mean we pull him from the rotation? I tend to skew away from that line of thinking because if you're a player, you now know my coach doesn't trust me. If I start a game 0 for 2, I'm screwed. So now you're putting more pressure on yourself. And I feel like that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. A lot of times players like playing for the coaches that like, they're going to let you play through mistakes when, well, and mistakes are different from just missing shots. Like if you're getting good looks and they just don't go in, that's shooting. That's three-point shooting's high variance. There will be times you don't hit your threes. If the, how much you trust your players comes down to like, who hit the most threes on their like less than 10 shots this series. Like you're going to end up with some wild results. And I think you have to trust 
the season long data. You got to trust the, the work these guys are putting in day after day and try not to be too reactionary. Cause I think you don't want to just like kill the, the, like the minds of these guys and get them scared. Um, so you got to hit shots. Beasley and Brown, as we mentioned earlier, could make some sense defensively with their chaser defense. They need to hit shots on offense. It's process Brown, shots, right? But it's exactly. right, the right shots, not the early transition pull-ups D-Lo take where a long rebound gets them into like a three-on-two immediately or something, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so those guys, and Bees needs to be better at it than Brown because Beasley's defense is worse than Brown's. That's just how it is. If Beasley's not hitting his threes, he's not valuable. But you... We know that going into every, we've known that going into every game of this season. And that doesn't mean you don't play him because he might hit his threes. And there have been plenty of games where he has hit his threes. So in retrospect, you can look at his stat line and say, oh, he never should have played. But that's come on. You know, hindsight's 20-20. You never know. So those those role players hitting their threes or not may, you know, make the Lakers rotation a 10-man or an eight-man rotation. Um, LeBron hitting his threes. He did not shoot well from three last series. On the season, he's underperformed what he's usually done. Same thing with Jordan Poole. These are two guys that generally are much better three-point shooters. Both this season are still taking hard shots, and they've been underperforming on them. And if Lebr- you know LeBron can go two for nine in a game, and it can kill you. Poole could go two for 11 in a game from three, and it can kill you. And how well LeBron's hitting his threes or not, that can change how you need to defend him and help unlock or take away his ability to get to the rim. So... With each of those guys, how well they're shooting, I think will matter. And then the last part is, I think the Golden State like non-shooters. They're going to be left alone. Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, Gary Payton II, Jonathan Kaminga, they will have high quality opportunities for long twos or for threes. How willing are they to take them and how well do they do on those shots? Same thing with Jared Vanderbilt. He's probably going to get some open threes. Will he take them? And if he does take them, is he hitting them? So there's the like role players that should be shooting well that haven't. There's the normal three-point shooters that aren't hitting their threes. And then there's the, these guys probably shouldn't be hitting threes, but if they do, it'd be a huge bonus. And those kind of, there's three different groups here, but all three of them really matter. And if two of them are on and one of them's off, you know, you could end up winning the game. If all three of them are off, you're not going to win the game. Uh, so it's always hard to say exactly how well they need to do, but shot making shot making shot making it matters and especially against the team that shoots as well as golden state it matters a lot it also to me the fact that the lakers should be able to defend the rim pretty well while on offense i think they should be able to get to and score the rim pretty well i think that bodes better bodes better for them because there's a lower variance there even if you're you know underperforming a bit on your, your your shots at the rim you're getting yourself more opportunities for offensive rebounds for fouls the shots in general are higher percentage shots you know, we might see a two for 11 three point game. We're not going to see a two for 11, you know, shooting at the rim game. And on a per shot basis, they're less valuable. But if you are making a higher percentage, that's a higher percentage of plays you don't need to get back in transition defense as well. So the twos versus threes battle, it's not necessarily they shoot threes. So we have to shoot threes. Get the best shots you can get and, and hit them. <laughs> right. And hope that you can get better two point shots than they can three point shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, we'll be looking forward to him. Um, let's take a quick break here. And on the other side, we will come back and answer some questions from the Discord. All right, Tim, coming back. Here's the moment of truth, man. I want you people to get ready to clip this for my man. 
make him a big star on Lakers Twitter. They're going to make me a villain, Tom. <laughs> how do we defend Steph Curry? <laughs> how do we how do we defend Steph Curry in the pick and roll, Tam? The the best three point shooter ever. Yep, that's the one. The the, the best three the, the way you defend the the ball screens for the best three point shooter ever is uh, high drop coverage. Um, <laughs> and are you high drop coverage? You 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 might need to be in order to be running it. Um, but hey, it's been it's been the way to go and. Explain the difference between high drop and maybe a normal drop for people, because I think that's a little like I think that's what the misunderstanding kind of stems from for some people. Okay, I would say that if someone just says drop coverage with no qualifier, they mean more of like a deeper drop. And there are deep drops where you stand basically under the rim, like way far away from from the ball screen. Normal drop coverage, you're probably at least two steps below the screen with a high drop coverage. Your responsibility is still the same. You still want to defend the rim. You're not looking to contain laterally. If the the ball handler comes off the screen and just keeps going sideways, you're not following them. You're still trying to stay between. You're you're still trying to be the closest man to the basket between yourself, the the screener who's potentially rolling, and the ball handler. So you're still defending the rim, but in a high drop, you're about like a half step to one step behind the screen, and. This is not something that you can do with a lot of personnel successfully. If a team tries to run high drop coverage against a D'Lo Anthony Davis ball screen to take away the D'Lo pull up three, AD is going to roll behind them and finish a lob over them unless they are like Giannis or maybe Bam Adebayo or Anthony Davis. There aren't too many guys that can both contest the three, but then also recover to the lob. Thankfully, Anthony Davis is one of those guys. Also, thankfully... Golden State doesn't have those lob threats. So there are some natural just like, hey, we're kind of unique in that we can run this and run it well. The Lakers on the season against Steph Curry have used this as their primary coverage and it has been successful and it's been the most successful for them, for the Lakers. For Steph Curry on the season as a whole, drop, uh, I'm sorry, high drop and switching have been the two most successful screen coverages against him. If you blitz or if you hedge, or if you hard hedge or soft hedge, so if you're catch hedging, you're showing and, re- showing and recovering, any of that, you're putting two players at the ball and staff. For the rest of the court, they have a 4v3. And there's no better team in the NBA, and there has been no better team in the NBA over the past like decade at attacking 4v3s than Draymond Green in the short roll with this, with this Golden State roster. If you can have Wiggins and Clay standing in the corners, Draymond catching on the short roll, and I don't know, uh, Kavon Looney at the rim, like the defense has decisions to make and they're not going to be good decisions because just the numbers are there. Strength in numbers is their motto. And you give them strength in numbers the second you put two on the level, two at the screen. So what I want Anthony Davis to do is be there to immediately take away the pull up three and then you're retreating and you're, you're defending the rim and you trust that your ball screen, your ball handler defenders, Reeves, Schroeder, Vando, Brown, whoever it is, they can get around the screen and then get back in front. It's been the most successful thing. Switching is also a viable option to defend ball screens. But what that does and why I don't like that as a, like that as an option in the series is it makes it too easy for them to just get Anthony Davis switched on to somebody on the perimeter and then he's not able to defend the rim. And then you're in trouble there. Or one thing that, so like the, the Lakers attacking switches, they like to hit the seals and get the inside position, run their lob sets. 
Golden State attack switching by just continuing to run their offense. And I don't want Wendy Gabriel or Anthony Davis trying to chase Steph Curry around like off screen, you know, pin down yeah. fire screens. So I guess just to clarify also, give some more nuance and context to this. This is when you're saying when Anthony Davis is involved in the pick and roll. You know, they don't only run pick and rolls through their bigs. They run picks with their smalls, too. So I would guess, Tim, that you're saying to switch like the one through three, you probably don't want Braun as well. Right. So how what do you do with Braun? Because they're they might target him. Yeah, I think you switch one through three. Braun's the tricky part, because if you hedge, you still have the same problem. And that's why I can see from a matchup standpoint, sticking LeBron on Wiggins. And Vando on green could make some sense. And then AD on Looney, because then if Draymond is the one setting the screen, you can switch uh, Vando onto him if you want to. Or if you are hedging or you're trapping, we now have Andrew Wiggins as the short roll guy, and he's not as good in the short roll as Draymond Green. Draymond's like the best at this. And that means that if Draymond is not in the action, we've got both Draymond and Looney off ball. And, may, and maybe just Clay is the one other shooter. So, and then Anthony Davis is there to defend the rim. So, if you need to show and recover with LeBron to prevent him from switching onto Steph with an Andrew Wiggins matchup, I see some viability to that. You could switch LeBron onto Steph, but now you are in trouble when it comes to defending Steph and off-screen stuff potentially. So, it I don't know that there's a good answer. I think. If you pick your matchups smartly, you you may try to roll the dice and try to hedge and hope that Wiggins can't make the short rolls uh, or short, short roll playmaking. But switching makes some sense. If LeBron's trying to play kind of his own version of a high drop at the level of the screen, but then just trying to stay with Wiggins, I think that could also work. Um, Anthony Davis, if he's, you know, if, if Bron's in the action, that means AD's under the rim. So I'm not worried about a Wiggins roll necessarily. And with LeBron, you don't want to actually concede the switch. You just want to be there for a second and then get the hell out of there. So I'm kind of torn between switch, high drop, show and recover. And I, I don't know that there's a clear right answer because LeBron's not AD. You can't defend the same way that, that AD can in that, that situation. But you have to take into consideration that the role man also is not the same caliber of, of guy. It's not, more, it's not a better role man. Kevon Looney's a, you know, more of a force at the rim than Andrew Wiggins. This seems yeah. good, Tom. We're no, gonna have I'm, some problems. I'm, I'm aware, and, <laughs> you know, and I think it's funny too, Tim. I, I hope everybody enjoyed the trash talking as uh, the Grizzly series was going on because maybe this is just me. I feel like they're just both going to talk about how great everyone is, like LeBron to Steph, Steph to LeBron, Draymond to Bron, AD to Steph. You know, Clay. Like maybe they'll trash talk about like who has what rings under what circumstance, but like it's pretty, you know. It's pretty pro on pro action in this series. It'll, it'll be it'll probably be fine for the first couple games, and then maybe the Lakers will you know maybe maybe if they leave they go into game three with the series tied one one with LA stealing a game. Draymond's gonna like roundhouse somebody or something, and then well, from I mean, there <laughs> the, the non Anthony Davis LeBron Lakers I'm worried for because I don't think he's I don't think he's elbowing his clutch boys. I hope not. <laughs> that's an interesting insurance policy is right. I, I right. know this guy won't try to injure me right <laughs> if i it's sign like a leverage play um mm-hmm. 
anyway, Tim, let's get through some of these questions here. Sorry, I, uh, I goaded you on that question. So I just wanted you to have the opportunity to, you know, defend against the haters. I saw a lot of dumb tweets um, about your 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 idea, and I, I don't think they got what you were trying to say. And it's just did you yeah, really annoying? Did you see, are people roasting me, Tom? No, I just like I don't know. Some of them. I think out of context. Like I think if you don't explain the high drop thing. You just hear strap coverage yeah. against Steph. It's like, oh, obviously that's a bad idea. Yeah. So I under I understand the natural reaction. You just have to understand that Golden State scores like 1.25 points per possession when you hedge or trap. And that is that's a non-starter. That's a dead-on arrival approach. And yeah. they're scoring about a point per possession when you drop or when you switch. And that's different. That's a quarter of a point per play. And you just you're giving up. Like the shots Steph's going to get in a high drop are pull up threes over an 80 contest. And the shots you're going to get in a 4v3 or a 3v2 are going to be dunks or open corner threes. And those are very different. Like Steph's amazing, but I'd still prefer him to be taking logo threes over a contest versus, you know, Draymond layups or Clay Thompson corner threes. So it's, it's you know, you're picking between two bad situations yeah. And that's that's the hard part about this. All right, uh, let's move on to the next question. I felt like we struggled a bit in the half court against Memphis overall. Do you expect us to do a lot better versus Golden State? And do you think AD and Braun will average more per game? I think the Lakers offense will do better against Golden State. It'll be hard for them to shoot from three or underperform as much from three as they did in that first round series. So just, I think, naturally... You're going to do a little bit better. The same thing, you know, LeBron's part of that with his three-point shooting. Golden State does not have the rim protection that Memphis had. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a defensive player of the year for a reason. And this front court is not anywhere near the same size. It's not anywhere near the same at defending the rim or deterring shots at the rim. You look at, like, our rim deterrence stat – Jackson's real good at that. AD's real good at that. Like, Gobert's really good at that. Like, when they're out there, you feel their presence. You don't take shots at the rim. Draymond and Looney, they're, you know, they're solid bodies, but they're not keeping you away from the rim. And I think that bodes well for both LeBron and AD. And with how Golden State likes to play 1v1 in the post with Kevon Looney and Draymond Green against AD and just in general, I think that also bodes well for him. LA was up and down a bit in terms of countering post help in that first round. They started strong and then not as hot later on. If they don't need to do that and they could just, AD can just play one face up and then go 1v1 against Draymond, who's much bigger than, I feel decent about that situation. So I do think both of them will be set up better to succeed offensively. And I think there's some natural shooting regression that we'll see as well. I like that. I also don't necessarily think that LeBron and AD scoring or averaging more per game is an indicator that they're better on offense per se, like the team Mm -hmm. as a whole, because I thought Rui got a lot of great shots. Austin got a lot of great shots. Uh, D'Lo helped some of, you know, AD and Braun get some good shots. So I think that is, is going to continue. It's more about the role players for me, kind of helping them get good shots. I do think that yeah. will continue and and look even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And think about like in that Memphis series, the LeBron stampede cuts. What makes that happen? AD's roll gravity. What opens up D'Lo and Reeves to get into the middle of the paint and shoot short floaters and get those and ones? AD's roll gravity. What opens up the corner threes for the Lakers players? AD's roll gravity. So 
he, even if he's not getting the ball, because the defense is absolutely selling out to take him away, he's impacting the game and he is creating good shots for teammates without ever touching the ball in a possession. And that's an important factor to remember. If we see a game where AD has three shots, but the Lakers are doing great offensively, most likely we're seeing the defense sell out to take away his roles and it's opening up shots for the ball handler, shots for stampede cuts, shots for corner three-point shooters. And don't like the box score can lie in that way. Box score doesn't tell us impact necessarily. Just, you, you've got to watch the games and see what's Tim, going on. Tim Nestor's AD being passive. <laughs> he doesn't want it. He does not have that dog in him. He don't want it. <laughs> AD was bad, brought to the the medical staff at halftime for, <laughs> and the x-rays were negative for dog in him. <laughs> the <laughs> gold oh, Saint Fall. <laughs> All right, let's go. We got to keep burning through some of these. I want to get to as many as we can here uh, mm-hmm. in the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. So Warriors ended up not doing super great offensively versus the Kings, right? Uh, was that just the shooting variance thing or did the Kings defend them well enough, even though they suck on defense is the question. Uh, a little of both. Um, shooting variance went against the the, the Warriors. They underperformed. Uh, Davion Mitchell did a really good job. He's an excellent, excellent screen navigator. And I think we'll see Reeves and Schroeder try to put on their best impressions at screen navigation. And that takes away a lot of their attacks. I think Sacramento did a good job game planning wise for a decent bit of the series in terms of running high drop, in terms of top locking off screen shooters. They tried to do some of the things later in the series that made sense. They don't have AD. Sabonis is an AD and he's, there were so many plays where like exactly what they did, I want the Lakers to do, but then it's like, oh, but but look, but AD's gonna block that shot. Like so like 95% is like this is exactly what I want. It's like, oh well, this guy, you know, he, he's not a rim protector. So they did some smart things to slow Golden State down that the Lakers should and they have in the in the regular season, they'll be using, but also the the Warriors underperformed a bit from a shooting standpoint. Good, good. All right. Uh, what non-AD LeBron player do you think will be an X-Factor in this series? And I guess I'll I'll hit you with, with what I was thinking, Tim. Um, okay. I thought about Troy. You know, I, I don't end up actually thinking he'll play as much uh, as uh, needed to to require for this, this made-up award. I think I'm probably going to end up going Austin Reeves, partly because of the – what's the the – limitations of the Warriors guards defensively, you know, outside of Gary Payton or let's say, um, I, I think he can be, you know, benefited in that area. And I think he can be a positive on the def- defensive end. And I'm not really sure which one might kind of poke its head up more or first. Um, so I think in both ways, he could be significant in this series. Absolutely. That's a good pick. He was going to be my pick, but since you said him, I'll go with D'Lo because I think D'Lo, we think he'll be strong on offense. He's good off ball. He's good on ball. He's going to be able to, you know, facilitate, be that pull-up threat, open up stuff with, you know, maybe they have to stick a guy at his level of the screen and that opens up roles or maybe that forces them to switch. But then on defense, he's more of a question mark or, or potentially concerned. Who does he match up with? How well does he do? I think this is an opportunity for him to, do a hell of a job and, you know, impress some Lakers fans. I think this is also an environment where if he doesn't do well, he's going to get roasted for it. And we might see people calling for him to not start for Dennis Schroeder instead. So in that way, the swing 
of impact he can bring to this game in this series, uh, I think makes him an X factor. Him an X factor also, and then just like you're saying with Reeves, the ball, uh, the the guard defense for Golden State is not particularly strong for most of their roster. So he will have opportunities to score as well. So Reeves feel good about on both ends. D'Lo feel good about on one end. He's got to prove us wrong or, or or right potentially on the defensive end and. I think both are key X factors going into the series. We'll see how much uh, he learned through osmosis in his half of a season in Golden State because it's not like, you know, they run exactly the same plays, but they run a philosophy there. And I think he'll be able to communicate some uh, some of their thinking, perhaps, you know, at least uh, give them a foundation of where to start from. Um, moving to the next one, what ways do you expect Golden State to defend us and how do we prevent ourselves from starting slow? They could do it in different ways, and that makes this hard to answer. Uh, Kavon Looney and Draymond Green are both, in from a screen coverage standpoint, dropping about half the time and then splitting the rest of their time between switching and hedging. So there's more than one thing they could do. We may see more than one thing in game, game to game. You have to go into the series knowing that, you know, it's not like these guys will play a drop. These guys will switch. These guys will hedge. They could do any of those. So you have to pay attention to it and run the right stuff in the playbook. If they're dropping and you're running switch beaters, you're not going to do well. If they're switching and you're running drop beaters, you're not going to do well. So identifying what's going on and then as they adjust, you need to adjust your play calling, I think is a critical part of starting fast, not starting slow and, and being successful. The other end of this is... With post-defense, they are more, I'd say, multiple than Memphis was. Memphis sent pretty much the same kinds of post-defense all season long and then for most of the series against the Lakers. Golden State will send different kinds of help from the strong side, from the weak side, immediately doubling or kind of being in position and then doubling on the catch. So in that way, it can be more confusing and we could see that lead to more turnovers and runouts for Golden State or, as we saw in the regular season, LA attacked it pretty damn well and they got a lot of good shots. So... How sharp the Lakers are from a play calling standpoint and from a help beater standpoint, absolutely critical going into the series because you can't just close your eyes and say, ah, yeah, I bet they're, they're in drop coverage right now because we just don't know. They could be in a bunch of different things. How does Andrew Wiggins coming back change things? I think the most obvious thing is they don't have a ton of wing stoppers on that team, right? Um, I think you... I think Gary Payton's probably classified technically, even though he's undersized for it. They do put him in that role often, um, but that's him. It's Draymond, obviously, um, and it's DiVincenzo, right? Actually, no, in terms of how they've used them. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so so Clay they've used as a wing stopper. Oh, yeah, um, obviously. Yeah, Wiggins, so Wiggins is uh, Kaminga, who doesn't play as much, has been used as a wing stopper. Because they have that trio... They've used uh, Peyton and DiVincenzo more as point of attack defenders because Poole mm. and Steph don't. So th- they try to hide Poole right. and Steph. They take those two guards with Peyton and DiVincenzo. They put them at the point of attack. And then they'll use Clay, Wiggins, D- uh, Kaminga as more of the wing defenders. And then Draymond. Now he can He certainly can. We may see him matched up with LeBron and we probably will based on what the, what the lineups look like. But over the course of the whole regular season, he was used as a mobile big, so more of like the five-man in lineups, but like hedging and swishing more than playing drop. But to your point, not just the guys that have done it as their day job for the regular season, Peyton can do some of that. Draymond can absolutely do some of that. 
DiVincenzo's got a you know a decent sized body and can do some of that. So like they've got options. Um, but adding Wiggins back, I think, does give them a dude who like yeah, wing stoppers his job on offense. He's gonna knock some threes down, and he's got some creation juice. And so if you try to hide somebody on him, he can try to attack them. If they're you know slow footed or if they're tiny, he can post them up. But that shooting threat, the threat of doing more than just shooting, kind of in like. He's kind of like the Rui of their offense. His job is, you know, hit threes, but late clock, he can make something happen. And that's valuable to have in, in your offense. And then defensively, he, he obviously has some size. And a key thing with him too is he crashes the boards pretty hard on the offensive glass. Got to keep an eye out for that. If you've got D'Lo on him, I worry because he's got to box out. If LeBron's on him, he got to box out. So that matchup and him getting offensive rebounds is going to be a concern of mine heading into this series. Uh, with the coaching looking pretty good, how does that up your confidence for this team? It makes me feel better. Going into the first round series, we just kind of didn't know. Like the scheme was trending in the right direction. The defensive scheme was diversifying for the first time, like all year, the last couple of weeks of the season. But we didn't know how well the Lakers were going to play chess. Or at um, what pace, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great point because – it, you may arrive to the right answer, but if you arrive to the right answer in game three instead of the second quarter of game one, you can like lose entire games because of that. We saw Memphis not run drop beaters until like game three of the, the series. But Darvin Ham was out there, and yes, he was a little slower to throw Wayne Gabriel into the bench unit. I will concede that. He did a better job than the other, you know, the other bench, and he did a better job than the prior Lakers staff when it came to making the tactical adjustments and you just may not, those aren't as noticeable as, you know, this guy was benched for that guy. So I understand why that end gets more attention, but it ups my confidence because I know the Lakers aren't going to play with the tactical, like low ground. They're going to be on the high ground most of the time that plus the superstar talent this team has, plus the role player talent this team now has makes me feel like this is now a title contending team where same group of players, but poor or slow adjustments. Yeah, I wouldn't be picking the Lakers to win this series. It's it's that it's that it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a difficult one because the the Warriors are you know got the continuity um, advantage on the team on the Lakers, um, not only with the team but the coaching as well. So that kind of the counters and the remember that that thing we did to counter this one problem that's slightly related, you know, three years ago, or I don't know if that makes sense, but there's just that track record of being through creative problem solving situations and being able to come out successful and work together. And, you know, they're just a little bit more experienced in that regard. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end it, Tim. Um, uh, you have to get going here, but we will be on playback uh, for all these games. I will be for most of them, hopefully all of them, but we'll see. Might try to go to one of these games in L.A. Um, but Tim, is there any other things you want to throw out to the people here before Lakers Warriors tips off? So if you like the X's and O's content and you're interested in learning more, I've got good news for you because in our Discord group, we have a tier. It's 10 bucks a month. You can consume all the X's and O's content in a month and cancel if you want. You get access to 20 hours of recorded X's and O's scheme content where you go from start to finish learning all of these concepts, how to use them, the strategy. It's not just like 
This is a pin down. It's like, you know, here are drop beaters. Here's, here are the different ways you can run, you know, switching and then the ways to attack them and the personnel you'd want to use to do so. Like things like that. It's a little bit more in depth. What are gaps? How do you create them? How do you attack with them? Um, check that out. That's at the court side tier of the Discord. Uh, if you want to get into the Discord, check out the link in my bio or DM me, Tom, or the podcast account, a five-star review of the pod. Um, if you also like X's Nose content, we got some good news today, Tom. I don't know. We haven't talked about this yet. Playback has just now added the functionality where we can screen share. So that's good for a couple of reasons. One, I can pull Yo. a whiteboard up and I can draw on it now. In game, oh, during, awesome. t- you know, during commercials or just as a, a film review. In addition, we now don't need to like upload videos to playlists and then play them through uh, or upload videos to YouTube and play them through that. We can just like yeah, actually that was pull stuff up live. I can pull data up. I can pull b-ball index tools up and we can talk through stuff. So we have so much more, so many more options now. So check out the playback, playback.tv slash Lakers watch party. Also yeah. get into the discord. Um, shout out to the friends of the pod. TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdulrahman, Keneal Mason, uh, Doppel, and Romario, all for living the high life with us in the owner's box, as well as to that courtside tier, which gets bonus pods, plus the X's and O's course, and the lower bowl crew, who gets the bonus pods. There were more questions we got today. All the questions we answered today were from the Discord groups, the people on these paid tiers. There's another like dozen questions that you're not going to get to hear the answer to. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go let Tom go and then I'm going to go record another answers to another dozen questions and uh, post those up. So if you're looking for more content, you know where to find it with the streams, with the bonus pods, with the discord group itself, with the X's and O's courses, we've got you covered. If you're interested in this sort of thing, you know, ask, reach out if you have any questions. Yeah, that new playback uh, functionality makes me really excited, Tim, to get my producer thing going so I can help you, you know, pull up the stuff as you're doing another thing. And yeah, really just gives us the chance to make a a more dynamic broadcast that uh, the TNT or ESPN can't make. So it's a lot of fun. Get in there. Playback.tv slash Lakers watch party. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later.